Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray that as we get into your word, Father God, that you would speak through me, that it's not my words, but it's your words. Father God, we just lift up Pastor Rusty and Miss Vicki. We prayed for just continued strength uh, in Pastor and continued recovery and just strength over Miss Vicki. Father God, that they would sleep good tonight and that your hand is over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, what we're going to talk about is the good, the bad, and the broken. Obviously, that was stolen from the title of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You can start whistling the soundtrack in your head right now if you need to, because uh, everybody's probably like, oh, man, you can hear that now. Um, and what happened, Friday last, I don't know if it was last Friday, I think it was last, two Fridays ago, uh, before Pastor went into surgery, uh, we got a phone call that his brother, who's a crop duster in Hollis, was in a, in a, in a plane crash. Uh, that something had happened, he crashed and been killed. Uh, I mean, my uncle was here for Easter. He sat right back there in that corner. He was only 59. It was totally out of the blue, did not, you know, expect this or anything. And it, it always surprises me that people will, uh, and I think it's from a good place, from a good heart, but they'll say, well, I, I guess it was just his time, you know? And, and I know people don't mean anything mean by that, but what it makes me think of is we have this kind of idea about God. Okay, we have this idea that God has somehow decided when you're going to die. And if God wants you to die, you're going to die. And, and that, that we have a couple of different kind of theologies or doctrine. One is that if God wants to get you, you're done. Right, if God decides he's going to thump you on the head, then if today's your last day, then you're done. And we just say, you know, well, it was just their time. God just needed them in heaven. And we say things like that. And we think that everything that happens to us is, is, is from God. There's even uh, the idea that anything that happens to you has to go through God first. He has to allow it to happen. And so we kind of have that idea of God. Then, you know, th there's the other idea. Uh, we've been teaching in Ground Zero about the devil and Lucifer. We did Q&A, tons of questions from the kids about just demons and angels and the devil. And so I thought, man, we ought to teach on that and just talk about how, you know, uh, Lucifer was an angel who, who fell from, from heaven uh, was cast out of heaven because of pride. So we talked about all that. And as I was researching online and looking at verses and things like that, I found this article about the devil being an angel. And this lady commented and said, I totally believe that there's a devil, but I do not believe in Jesus. And so there's this idea that everything that bad in your life is the devil. Everything that happens to you is the devil. And the devil's hiding around every bush, you know, you know kind of waiting to jump out and attack you. Uh, and, and everything that bad on the earth that happens is either God or it's the devil. And if the devil does it, then God allowed the devil to do it. And what we leave out is that the world is broken. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, and that's what we're going to jump into, and that's what I'm going to show you. And we're going to go level by level, good, bad, broken, and I'm going to show you verses to back this up. The first verse is John 3:16. Now, I know the second we put that up, everybody in the room thinks, I know that verse, and what, what has happened in our society is that your five-year-old has this verse memorized, and so in a sense, it loses its power because it's so familiar. We already know it. You're already kind of tuning out when I even say John 3:16, and this is actually the most powerful verse in the Bible. And it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This shows the heart of God in one simple verse, that God loved you so much that he would die to save you. That God loved you so much that he would die 
to save you. And that shows right there that God is a good God, that God's not evil, God's not out to get you, God's not out to hurt you. Uh, I've always thought if God's out to get you, you might as well dig a hole out in the backyard, get in it with a can of beans, and kiss your bottom goodbye. I, I mean, cause, because if you, if you really look at the Old Testament, you think about it, you think about everybody that came against the Israelites in the Old Testament. Where's Rome? Okay, Rome is not, I mean, Rome doesn't even really exist much anymore. It's not what it was back then. Egypt is not what it was back then, right? Because these, these places decided they were going to, you know, Egypt enslaved the Israelites for 40 years. And Moses had to go get them and, and get them out of there. And then, you know, lots of people I've heard preachers say, well, why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? You know, he, he's chasing them through the Red Sea, and it says that he hardens Pharaoh's heart. Because God did not care about Pharaoh, Listen to this. God did not care about Pharaoh. In the Old Testament, God cared about one group of people, and that was the Israelites. And that was it. Everybody else was the enemy of God. They were called Gentiles. The only way that you could be in God's family was by being a Jew. They didn't pray a prayer. They were born into it. The only reason we meet today in this church and call ourselves Christians is because Jesus died on the cross and raised from the dead. If that would have never happened, it, we couldn't be Christians, right? You know, anybody that tries to keep the law or the Old Testament, uh, you're trying to attend a party you weren't invited to, okay? You're not Jewish. I mean, and if you are, then, then that's a different story. But, I mean, if you're not Jewish, you're not invited to that party. And, and God did not care about, I mean, he killed, I mean, he'd make armies go blind and they'd kill each other. I mean, Samson killed an entire army with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, God did, God was kind of crazy back then, you know, he was, he was nuts. If he wanted, that's what I think, like if he wanted to get you, you're, you're done for, there is no hope. But that's not the God of today because God put his wrath on Jesus on the cross. Here's something you have to understand is that the wrath of God is nowhere on the earth. The wrath of God is nowhere on the earth. He put every ounce of it on Jesus, okay? Jesus didn't die on the cross and say, now this only lasts uh, for the first 398 days and then it expires. No, he said, this covers, this washes away your sins once and for all. I paid the price for good. The wrath of God was put on Jesus. It's nowhere on the earth. If you say, there's a tsunami, well, God's punishing them. That's baloney, okay? That's not true, because God put his wrath on Jesus, and it says so in John 3.16. James 1.17 says that whatsoever, whatever is good and, and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So what James is saying is that every good thing in your life is a gift from God. And what I love is it doesn't say that, well, every good and perfect gift uh, is from God when you behave. Another translation says every good and perfect gift is from above. It's from above. It doesn't say, well, well, you get good gifts from God when you behave. You get good gifts from God when you're in church. You get good gifts from God when you pray or listen to worship music or lift your hands or give in the offering. And all of those things have benefits, but God gives you perfect gifts because of the blood of Jesus. And I love how it says that he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God is, is, is a God of his word. Okay, and when he, when he said uh, Jesus is going to pay the price once and for all. He meant it. He meant it. And so uh, what we're understanding right now is just that God is good, and that's what I want to show you, and we're going to get to some other things later. Psalms 145.9 says, 
The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all creation. The Lord is good to everyone. Uh, another part, uh, another uh, book in the Bible says that he pours out his rain on the just and the unjust. And he only does this because of the blood of Jesus. The Lord is good to everyone. The Lord is good to everyone. I mean, it puts no stipulation. The Lord's good to everyone that goes to church. It doesn't say that. I mean, and we're here because we love God. We want to grow spiritually, and we want to get together with fellow believers, and we want to hang out and strengthen each other. But it doesn't say, it doesn't say the Lord is good to everyone who, who wears blue socks. I mean, I mean, you know, think about all the weird stuff they could have put at the end of that verse. Uh, the Lord is good to everyone who drives a Chevy and burns all Ford owners. I mean, he, does, he doesn't say that. It just says that he's good to everyone, showers his compassion on all creation. And what I want you to understand this morning is God is good that God's a good God, all right? And one of, the, one of the big questions we have in Ground Zero a lot of times is, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And we're, we're kind of jumping ahead. And so we're gonna get to that on our third category. But right now, I'm gonna tell you how the devil's bad. Most of you probably don't need explaining on the devil's bad. You already know that. You've already experienced uh, evil in our lives. If you watch the news, you know that there's evil in the world. Uh, but John 10, 10 says, that the thief, his purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus, this is John, so Jesus is speaking. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, he's talking about the devil. And he's saying that, that the devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they have life. This is the NIV, that I have life and have it to the full. That they can have life and have it to the full. The devil's purpose is to steal from you, kill, and destroy. Now, as a kid, uh, this is one of my dad's favorite verses. He loves this verse. He's uh, got these big green glasses that are like clown glasses. They're like oversized. And he would wear them, and he would do this in Ground Zero back when he taught in Ground Zero. And he would say, these are your John 10, 10 glasses. And he was saying that you need to look through these glasses. And, and if, if anything's being stolen, trying to be destroyed, or trying to be killed in your life, you know that it's the devil. It's not God. And if you're, if you're giving uh, rich and satisfying, fine life and life to the fullest, you know that that's coming from God and that you have to understand that the devil's bad. And when I would hear this verse, I would think that, okay, you know, the devil, he's, he's going to like sneak into my room and steal the night change, you know, off of my dresser and, and destroy a lamp by kicking it over as he goes out the door and, you know, maybe kill the squirrel that runs along our fence. You know, kind of like, oh, you know, that's kind of overkill. Still kill and destroy. It's all, you know, gloom and doom. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do in your life. Here's the thing you have to understand. The devil was, was an angel. And, and I was reading on this, and it says that he wasn't an angel. He was a cherubim, which is above an angel. He was an angel, but he was above the angels, okay? He was like a general in the angels. It talks about uh, that he, in Isaiah, how that he was in the garden when God was creating the garden. That He walked in the garden of Eden as an angel, he wasn't just there as a fallen angel, okay? And, and what happened is he's very beautiful. It says that his gown was made of gold and covered in jewels, and he was the worship leader, and, and that, that he was amazing and beautiful. And it says that uh, he decided that I should be above God. He, it says in Isaiah that, that Lucifer said, I'm going to put my throne above the stars of God. Like above his heavens, I'm going to place my throne. And he was filled with pride, and he decided I'm better than God. And so what he did is, is 
he got his angels together and they decided they were going to overthrow God and take over heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the devil. This is all in Revelations. It's all out of the Bible. It says they fought against his angels, defeated them, and it says they cast Lucifer and his angels to earth. You know, my only question is, is like, could you not hit Mars? I mean, why'd you have to throw him to earth? I mean, was the orbit not working right? Uh, You know, and so they cast him to earth and he's on the earth and living on the earth. And, And just that idea that the devil is here. I told the kids in Ground Zero, I said that the devil's walked down your street. I heard a preacher on the radio say, the devil knows your address. You know, and kids are like, oh, my Lord, that scares me. I don't even, it's like, ugh. You know, and, and just that how horrible the devil is and how the devil's on the earth and, and all that, that came from that evil of him being, him being placed here. And just that the devil's bad. There's this song, the band was called The W's. And it's like this old Christian song, and it was real, like, weird with trumpets and stuff. And they sang about how, how the devil is bad. And, and you have to understand that God's good and that the devil's bad. And when the devil was cast to the earth, okay, he's in the garden. He's there to deceive Adam and Eve. However many thousands of years later, Jesus is born. And the devil's on the earth, okay, and Jesus is born. You have to, they knew each other. And you have to think that when when... He grew up, became a man, was in ministry. When he died on that cross and when he got to hell, uh, probably the only time the devil wanted to go to hell was then so that he could see Jesus there. And he had to think and ask Jesus, why would you do all of this for them? Why go through all this trouble of, of being born of a virgin and growing up and healing people and raising them from the dead and walking on water, turning water into wine to just be killed on a cross? What purpose did this serve? Because you know, if the devil had known that him dying on the cross would have saved us, he'd have never let that happen. The devil thought he had won. If he'd have known what was really going on, he'd have never allowed that to happen. And then Jesus had to stand up in hell, light up like the sun, and blast out of there uh, like a torpedo. And the devil had to think all of that trouble to save them. God didn't do that for the devil. God showed him no mercy. He was cast out of heaven and that was it. And because of that, because of the love that God has shown you, the devil hates you. He despises you because God would die to save you. And the devil doesn't understand it. And so when that says he's come to kill, steal, and destroy, it brings such new light to that understanding that, that, that he despises us because God did something for us that he didn't do for him. First Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And it says, I love it. Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He says, watch out. He's like a roaring lion. You know, if you ever watch nature shows and you watch lions out on the savannah and the, the females, you know, will, will get up in the grass real low and it's really hard to see them. And sometimes the camera will even show the grass and you can't even really see where they are. And they'll do that and they'll hide in the grass and they'll jump out to, to catch a gazelle or a zebra, you know, or, or a wildebeest and they'll try to hunt something down to eat it. And uh, one time when I was a kid, we were watching uh, National Geographic, my dad and I. 
and there was a male lion, and he went out onto the savanna. The, the females had hunted, and they'd killed something. They were eating it, you know, and the male lion gets to eat first, and then he goes over and lays under a tree, and then the female lions eat. Well, then the hyenas come at night, and they're bigger, and they're stronger, and their jaws are stronger than the female lions, and so they have to run off and let the hyenas take that carcass. Well, the male lions would only put up with it so long. Finally, they got fed up with it, and he walks out onto that savanna where all these hyenas are, and he starts running them down one by one and killing them for sport. He would throw them to the ground and break their neck and kill them and walk away from it. And, and, and it was like this lion was out there to destroy these hyenas. And that, that verse says to watch out because he's looking for someone to devour. In the original, it uses the word maul that he's looking for someone to maul. He wants to get all over you. He wants to destroy every aspect of your life, right? He wants to steal your happiness, your joy, your peace. He wants to, he wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to kill your marriage. See, I don't believe that the devil can physically kill you. I don't believe that that can happen uh, because every pastor in the world would drop dead today if he could do that. And I don't believe he can, but he wants to destroy all the happiness, all the peace, all the goodness. See, he wants to drag you away. He doesn't want to kill you. He wants to drag you away from God so it'll kill the heart of God. See, and, and he wants to do everything he can to get you to distrust God, run from God, stay away from God, because he knows, man, you know, you love them so much that you would die for them, and I'm going to absolutely destroy them and do everything I can to keep them from you. And so we understand this, that God is good. We understand that. Now, some of us can have that idea that, well, everything that happens, you know, is God's will, and nothing happens to you that God won't allow, and, and that's just not true, and I can show you in the Bible. And the devil's bad. The last thing is, is that the world is broken. This is a truth that can absolutely set you free in your walk with God. If you can understand that the world is broken, that this is not God's plan, this is not the way things are supposed to be, it'll bring so much clarity to your life. I want to read to you Romans 5.12. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So what this is saying is, is that Adam sinned, sin entered the world. One of the things we can think about sin, and, and this, is, this is true, is that when I lie, I sin, right? When I steal, I sin. When I cheat, I sin. If I'm, uh, you know, a bad person, uh, I'm sin, okay? Sin is bigger than just that. Sin is this disease that when Adam and Eve took that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and when they took a bite out of that, it almost opened a doorway that allowed sin to come into the earth. And it absolutely covered everything on planet earth. And a symptom of that disease is evil in our world. It's lying, it's cheating, it's stealing, it's backstabbing, it's murder, it's all of these things because the world is covered in this disease called sin. Okay, everyone that's born into this world is affected by it because we're all affected by it. Right? When, when you're born, your mom and dad are affected by sin. It doesn't matter how good they are, how, how awesome they are. They're affected by it because it covers everything. It's in and on everything on the earth. And that's what it's talking about is sin entered the world. It didn't just say that sin entered Adam. Sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death and death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. I wanted to read to you Romans eight twenty two. 
and I'm going to start in verse 20, and it says, against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. Now, one of the things we can think right there is, is, is we hear that is everything was subject to God's curse as well. That kind of goes against God as good because God cursed the earth. God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden because he wanted Adam and Eve to have a choice. He didn't want them to love them because they had to. God does not want slaves. You don't want your wife or husband to love you because they have to. They stay with you because they're afraid of you. Okay, we call that abuse. Okay, we don't, we don't believe, you know, I mean, that's not the kind of love you want. You want to be loved and cherished because, because that person wants to, and that's what God wanted. So he had to give Adam and Eve a choice, and they chose evil. And so when they ate of that fruit, that allowed sin into the world. Okay, God told them, you can have everything in the garden, but if you eat off of that, you'll die. That's what he told them. If you eat off of that, you'll die. And that's what he meant is death will enter the world. He didn't mean die right then. Like we're all going to die one day. Back then, Adam and Eve were not. They were immortal, okay? And so it says that all creation was subject to God's curse, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up until this present time. Now, ladies, if you've given birth, you probably understand the pains of childbirth better than anybody in the room. You know. So think about for a minute. The earth is created by God, and God said it was perfect. God said every, looked at it and said it was perfect. Then Adam and Eve sin, and sin is put onto the earth. And that verse says that against its will, sin and death was put onto the earth. And it says that it groans as in pains of childbirth trying to get it off. Can I think about it for a minute? Uh, a, a woman who, who's trying to give birth, and if you've seen it in movies or maybe men, you've been in there when your wife has given birth and the screams and the hollering of trying to give birth and that the earth is groaning and screaming and crying, trying to get sin off of it. That brings so much more clarity to hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, and natural disasters. Those aren't God. Those aren't the devil. The world's a broken place, and the earth is trying trying to get sin off of it. That was never a part of the plan. That was not what the earth was created for. In Romans eight twenty three, and it says, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. I love this because if, if you're saved, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And it says that you groan even though the Holy Spirit is in you. And it says, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait for eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. My grandmother, uh, who's, who's passed away, my dad's mom, she would always uh, say that she would feel young. She said, I feel young, and then I'd walk by a mirror, and I'd say, who's that old lady? And she said, I never felt like I was getting old. She said, on the inside, I always felt young. And she said, I would look in the mirror and think, who's that old lady? And that's because your spirit man has been designed and created to live forever. That's why we fight death and wrinkles and age with every fiber of our being. Because we were not created for that. God created you to live forever. Sin brought death. Jesus said the last enemy to be defeated will be death. He's the last one that, that's going to get it. 
the last enemy, because we were never created for death. And so you have to understand the world is a broken place, and it, and it groans trying to get death and decay and sin off of it. See, when there's terrorist attacks, you don't have to think, why did God allow that? The world's broken. Okay, when, when, there's, when there's natural disasters, when there's problems, you just watch the news tonight, and you know the world's a broken place. Now, some other things you have to understand is, is that the Bible says the devil is the prince of this world. When he was cast to the earth, he, in a sense, took over the world. Because when he tempts Jesus in the desert, he offers the world to him if he'll just worship Satan. He says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. And Jesus says, I, I put no gods before me. He didn't say, I already own all this. This is all mine. Okay? And, and so that's what you have to understand is the world is broken. It's covered in sin. And, and that's why bad things are happening. And that, that's why it, it, it breaks our heart. That's why you feel that. Do you ever, do you ever go somewhere, uh, you maybe go on vacation or you visit a place, and you maybe drive down a street or down a back road, and there's houses that are kind of broken down, or you go to the beach and there's trash, or you're in the mountains and there's some trash that someone left behind, and something in, in the pit of your stomach is just like, something's not right. Why is this like this? Well, I, I envision this so much more perfect. That's because you were created for paradise and it was stolen from you. That's why every time you go on vacation, you get home and you say, that, that was fun. I enjoyed it. I loved it. But it wasn't what I thought it was going to be because you're created for paradise. You're created for perfection. The, the Bible says that eternity is written on your soul. It's stamped on the inside of you because you're created for perfection. And so what I want you to understand is that God is good that God sent Jesus to save us, to empower us so that we could fight and push sin back off of the earth, off of your homes, off your kids, off your life. He said, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit so that you can do this on your own. I'm gonna empower you so that you can overcome sin. And that the devil's bad. The devil wants to destroy you and you have to fight him off and that the world is a broken place. I want to read to you out of Romans 5, 17. This is kind of jumping back to Adam sinning. It says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And what that verse is saying is that Adam brought death, but Jesus has brought life. And that you can have that life. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Paul is quoting Isaiah 64, verse 4, and he says, uh, he says this is what Scripture uh, means when they say, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Before Megan and I got pregnant with Annie, we had a miscarriage, and it was kind of, it was bad. It was a tubal. She had to have surgery to have it removed. And this nurse came in as we were discharged uh, that morning and said, don't let anybody tell you that this wasn't a baby. Don't let anybody tell you that you didn't have a miscarriage, that somehow, you know, that that's not what it was. And so, you know, I really just struggled with God. Why would you let this happen? Why did this happen to us? You know, we've been trying to get pregnant. And, you know, why, why, why did this happen? And, and I really struggled with it. And God, you know, kind of just began to minister to me that I'm going to restore that. Not here, but there. 
And then I kind of imagine this awkward situation where I would get to heaven and there'll be this like 30-year-old person, you know, in heaven. And it's like, oh, you know, Jesus will stand there and say, this is your dad from earth and this is Johnny. And I'm like, I would have never named him Johnny. And but it was like, and they're like, hi, and, you know, nice to meet you. And it'd be like this awkward, weird thing. And God spoke to me and said, you don't think I'm big enough to handle that? God told me everything's going to be restored. It's not like everything that happens up until you go to heaven, oh, and then you get to this better place and all of that junk still happened. No, God's time is not our time. God's not affected by time. Everything in your life is going to be restored and made right. How many of you have ever seen the movie Titanic, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio? Okay, they do that whole movie. That at the very end of the movie, they show the actual ship on the bottom of the ocean, the real deal. And that camera flies in through the window, and then what happens is, is that ship begins to put itself back together, and it's on top of the ocean together. Isn't it so interesting that the end of that movie, right, he sinks because he couldn't get on the door. He's dead, right? That ship's on the bottom of the ground, but they decided at the end of the movie, we're going to show that ship rebuilt, made right. He's going to walk down, you know, she's going to walk down those stairs to see him. And they're all dead, because that's written on the inside of you. They wanted to show that because that's what we crave for in life. And everything in our lives will be made right in heaven. And the brokenness of this world will be a faint passing memory because God's going to restore everything. And the one thing and the only thing that's gonna matter when you get to heaven is who did you bring with you? God's not going to care about anything else you did except who did you bring with you. We did a series in Pastor Todd Imagine Heaven based on a book, and it was where people had near-death experiences and went to heaven and saw heaven. And a lot of them said the only thing that God would show them of their life was the people they had touched or impacted, their family. You know, it didn't have to do with business. It didn't have to do with, uh, you know, some great contribution or any, anything like that. It was the people that they impacted. I always tell the kids in Ground Zero, I don't want to get to heaven, and I don't want to stand in front of the gates, and they look through the book of life and find my name, and they call out my name, and someone I knew in town, someone I went to school with, someone I ne- sat next to, someone I worked with, someone I saw at the grocery store to be standing next to me, and they don't call their name. And for them to look at me and say, how much have you must have hated me that you wouldn't have talked to me about Jesus? That you you hated me so much, despised me so much that you'd rather me go to hell than go to heaven. And then for me to stand there and say, well, it was kind of awkward. I was kind of embarrassed to talk about that. You know, it wasn't a comfortable subject. The only thing at the end of our life that's gonna matter is who did you bring with you? Who did you get saved? And I'm right there with you. We get caught up in life. We're trying to pay bills, raise kids. Y'all have got sports and, and cheerleading and camps. And, you, you know, the air conditioning goes out. You need new car, you know, tires. You need a new windshield. You know, medical bills. Everything goes up and down. And, and we get sucked into just trying to survive sometimes. And we always have to remember that the only thing God cares about is people. That God cares about people, and it's our job everywhere we go to show the light of Christ because the world's broken, and everybody in the world is broken. 
Okay, nobody can give you what you're looking for. Not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not grandkids, not the right job, not the right amount of money, not the right car. Because the world's broken and people are broken, you'll always end up disappointed. The only thing that'll give you wholeness is Jesus. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you, you can say that, I, I don't know that I've ever accepted Jesus. I don't know that I've ever, you know, prayed that prayer. I don't know that I've ever invited Jesus into my heart. And I don't want to get to the end of my life. And I don't want them to not read my name out of that book. I want to get into heaven. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. You're not raising it for me. You're just raising it as, a, as an act of faith, saying that I need Jesus. Amen. I see those hands. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray a simple prayer, and you're going to repeat it after me. And those of you that did not raise your hand, what I want you to do is I really want you to pay attention to this prayer because I want you to be able to use it. And I want you to be able to, with your friends, your family, your coworkers, whoever you come in contact with, if you're ever in a moment that you need to get someone saved, that you'll, you'll know what to do. And so I want you all to repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, hey, if you prayed that for the very first time this morning, I'm so very proud of you. And your name is written in that book. And the Bible says you're transferred out of darkness into light instantaneously. Now, uh, if you didn't raise your hand and you prayed that and you think, well, I'll never remember that. One time when I was young, I was about eight years old. We lived in Plainview and we were at the YMCA swimming. And uh, I was with a friend and we started talking to another young kid there about our age. And somehow we started talking about God and heaven. And this kid kind of said, I want to get saved. I want to go to this place. And I got to that point and I thought, well, I don't remember how to do this part. I don't know the prayer and I don't know how to get you saved. So I swam around and found my sister and I said, hey, Ashley, how do you, how do you pray that prayer? And she was like, you know, you little freak, get out of here. She didn't want to talk to me. So I just, I swam back over to the kid and I'm like, I don't remember the prayer, but I know that you need Jesus. So just say, I need Jesus. And he was like, I need Jesus. And I was like, you're good and done. You'll get in. If not, just come find me when you get there and I'll make sure you get in. And, and, and so the whole idea is, is that when you get someone saved, it's not this complicated thing. Like, oh, if I don't pray the right prayer, God's going to get up and say, you got and and the backwards there, and so you're, you're not coming in. The only thing that makes, uh, the only people that make getting into heaven hard is us. God doesn't make it hard. The Bible just says, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And so uh, if you ever get to that spot, just say, hey, just tell them, Jesus, I need you. And it's, it's done. It's not complicated and it's not hard. I always tell the kids in ground zero, if you can't get your friends saved, all you got to do is bring them to church and we'll do the rest. You just get your friends and your family to church and we'll make sure that they get saved. So uh, if y'all would go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm so thankful that y'all were here this weekend. Uh, y'all continue just to be praying for Pastor Rusty and Miss Vicki and we love you and we'll see you next weekend for Mother's Day.